Hello and welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. Now, before we get started, I just want you to close your eyes and think about your expectations for this team after you had time to digest the championship loss to South Carolina and where you thought they might be and who might be in those big spots. And then move ahead to when they get Lou Lopez Seneschal and she comes into the picture and then how that changes your perception of the team. Then let's move ahead to the first day of the fall semester where, you know, Paige Beckers is going to be down for the season and they're going to have to make do with that. So imagine where your thoughts would be at all three of those points. And then think that I appear out of the future and I tell you, UConn is going to be shooting free throws at the end of the game against Princeton to secure the win. Who do you think is going to be at the line? I can say with confidence that you, if you surveyed every single UConn fan, every single person that follows the team, every single person that had even just the slightest inkling of what was going on, Inesh Betancourt would be the last answer of who is shooting game-clinching free throws at the end of a game. The fact that it was her at the line against Princeton, not once, but twice, to shoot her first collegiate free throws to beat Princeton, who you were up on 15 points in the fourth quarter. I don't even know how someone in that situation would be able to comprehend how that even happened. And here we are, however many months later, seeing it play out in reality, and then having her follow that up with her first career start the next game. I feel like last year, we didn't even begin to get to the level of weird and bizarreness that we've already reached at this point in December this season. Yeah, this basically is at this point feels like something that would only happen in like some weird movie about some random basketball team and not in real life. But here we are. <laughs> no, the it wouldn't be in a movie because the whoever is making the movie would reject it as being too unrealistic. No, you're telling me <laughs> that someone who committed to UConn nine days before the start of the semester, who is going to a junior college, was playing in you could argue the best backcourt in the country. She's going to be the one that you have shooting free throws at the end of the game. Come on. not They have two national players of the year in that backcourt. Oh, okay. One of them's hurt. Well, you got the other one and you know, you've got this great lower major. I mean, Oh, come on. They're going to get the ball to someone else in that situation. No, <laughs> it was Enish and she delivered three out of four. I will say when she missed that first shot, I could just see it happening. She misses the second one. UConn's up two. Princeton gets the rebound. They take it up the court. And was it 2015? I'm going to flip over to the men's team, but this was the flashback I was having. 2015, the year after the men win the national championship, or both teams win the national championship, but in reference to the men's team, and they play Texas, and it's a close game. Texas gets it in the corner. Shoots a three to win the game, hits it, they win. The next game, UConn plays Yale. Yale comes down, end of the game, gets it to the exact same corner, shoots and scores. In my head, I'm like, oh my God, Princeton's going to get this rebound. They're going to go up the court. They're going to get the ball to that exact corner, (laughs) shoot a three, win the game, 
UConn loses. There goes their 10th out or their 1,666 straight wins without back-to-back loss or games without back-to-back losses dating back to 1993. Carla Barubi has now beaten Gino on UConn's home court. UConn loses to an Ivy League team for the first time ever. They don't even have scholarships. UConn <laughs> is UConn. I could see the everything building right there. And then she hits the second one. And I think at that point, all of Gamble let out a sigh of relief. But then I think it was Carl sitting in front of me, Carl Adamek, the great Carl Adamek of the Journal Inquirer, <laughs> turns around to me and goes, so now they're going to shoot a three foul and hit the free throw to win it, right? And now suddenly <laughs> all, that entire image is running through my head. But after she hit that third shot or that first shot to make it a three-point game, I felt like they were in pretty good shape there. And then they throw it out of bounds with 3.8 seconds left and she gets it again. And she hits both shots to win the game. Truly unbelievable. <laughs> but, I mean, wildly impressive by Inesh to yeah. lock down those shots and to recover from that first missed free throw because I think not even just a freshman who shouldn't even, who's not even supposed to be at UConn, and that's not a disrespect to her. If Paige Beckers doesn't get hurt, they don't go get Inesh. Right. But, any player in that situation, you got to make one of two just to make it a three-point game. And you miss that first one, there's a lot of pressure on that second one all of a sudden. But she didn't seem phased by it, and it went in. And now we have just one of the most unbelievable stories that we have ever seen involving UConn women's basketball. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly been an interesting season already, and it's only December 14th. <laughs> Yeah, I I try not to be hyperbolic. I try not to be. I say that because I'm pretty bad at having that happen. But like injuries aside, and like injuries are the factor in this, and we'll get more to that. But just the fact that Inesh is playing such a prominent role right now. I think Gino said, I forget his exact quote, but it's one of the most surreal things that you could ever imagine or would have been impossible to imagine before the season, I forget the exact quote, but something along those lines. This has got to be top five, one of the craziest things in program history. I mean, we're going to be looking back at this in 20 years, <laughs> talking about Enish Betancourt's run, like the Jeremy Linsanity stretch. Obviously different, like Linsanity, he just went off, whereas Enish is just in the game, but like similar vibes to me. Yeah, exactly. You've got a player that was supposed to play a handful of minutes off the bench in games that are already decided this season and all of a sudden she's the starting point guard it's truly insane yeah i mean it's not like she was end of the bench she was the last player on the bench she had played one fewer game than amari deberry who gino just absolutely refused to play early on and almost all of the minutes that she had played prior to the princeton game this season were in the blowout against Providence when that game was over after the first quarter. So for her to have that prominent of a role down the stretch, again, just truly unbelievable. And to just stay on the topic of Ina, she fast forward to the Maryland game. And I think she did pretty much as well as you could have expected her to in that game. I mean, considering the circumstances, considering everything 
she had a phenomenal game for what you could have expected out of her. Yeah, exactly. I thought especially early on, she looked like pretty confident out there. And I think that's one more than you could ask for going into it. And I, she did play really well overall in that game. And I think it's a big part of why UConn, even though they lost that game, where was able to keep it very close. It's also just terrifying to think that two of the three guards that UConn has left right now, presently, one of them, again, wasn't supposed to be here. And the other one is a transfer. And like, I don't know. I don't know how close it was where maybe it was a lock that she was coming to UConn once they showed interest. But if they didn't go out and get Lee Lopez Seneschal, I cannot even begin to imagine what the season looks like right now, even before AZ and Nika and everybody else got hurt. I mean, talk about one of the all-time great pickups. And again, try not to be hyperbolic, but this team might be close to five pushing 500 if they don't have Lou. Yeah. I think that's fair to say with the schedule that they had lined up for the start of the season and the state of the roster currently. I I think that's very fair to say. If for some reason you were unaware of what has transpired the last week (laughs) since we've recorded, let's run it back. UConn plays Princeton and we will dive more into each game, but just again, to recap quickly, they play Princeton. They're handling Princeton pretty comfortably. They're already without Dorky Uhas and AZ Fudd. AZ Fudd's down with a right knee injury. Dorky Uhas still not back from her broken thumb. So they're already a little thin. Nika Mule goes down after kind of colliding with a Princeton player, and then she hits her head on the back of Leah Edwards' knee, or she hits the back of her head on Aaliyah Edwards' knee, then hits the floor, leaves the game, doesn't come out. We now know that she's in concussion protocol, which I don't think would surprise anyone that saw what happened. Then in that same game, Lou Lopez Seneschal starts limping at some point, checks out with four minutes to go and never comes back in. So UConn is down to Caroline Ducharme and Inesh in their backcourt. Those two players. Then we get to Sunday against Maryland. Still no Dorka. Still no AZ. AZ's out for a while, obviously. Still no Nika. And Lou comes back, at least. They get Lou back. She has a strained foot, but she's playing. Look, she's got to rest that thing. But at the same time, they truly have no other options here. So <laughs> that's how we get to this point. They beat Princeton by the skin of their teeth. They lose a pretty close game to Maryland. So after this past week, I ask you, do you feel the same as you did entering this week about the team? Do you feel worse about this team or do you feel better about this team? Assuming everyone can get healthy, I think I feel better, which might be a weird thing to say, but... Assuming they're going to get back right to a place where they have Dorka, where they have AZ, and where they have Nika, which all signs at this point point to that happening somewhere in the next, what, two to four weeks? We're already two weeks into AZ's timeline. Um, I think I feel better for a couple of reasons. One, when you look at the first half of the Princeton game, where they're just down AZ and down Dorka, I thought this they looked very good even to start off that game on the offensive end, which I think was one of the biggest concerns going into that game was 
could they really get things going on offense, especially against a good Princeton defense without AZ on the floor? And I don't think they had any problem doing that. I mean, Aubrey had a ridiculous night. Willie Edwards didn't have a great night in that game, but was able to get things going early. Lula Pasadenchal was able to get things going. So this team was able to find plenty of ways to score without easy fun on the floor, which I thought was a really big thing. And then against Maryland, this team, despite all the turnovers, which I kind of just like write off as what happens when you have no ball handler on the floor, they're still able to score a bunch of points, which perhaps says more about Maryland's defense than it does about the offense of this UConn team, but they're still able to out-rebound Maryland, a top 20 team, handedly. I think really the only thing that hurt them in that game was the turnovers and then their perimeter defense, which I think you can probably also directly pretty much tie to not having easy foot and not having Nika Mule on the floor. So I think we've seen a lot of good things in those games that are going to carry over, and a lot of the bad things are kind of easy to point to these injuries. Yeah, I fully agree that you feel positive coming out of the stretch because of all the things you just said. But how much more could you really have expected them against Maryland? And yeah, there's plenty of things to critique in that game. But injuries have only been an excuse for this UConn team when they're literally down to seven or even six at one point players. But they had no issues when, I mean... They had some issues, but not anything dramatic that couldn't be fixed when everyone who was supposed to be available, minus Dorka Juhas, was on the floor. And I think we saw against Princeton the really easy comparison to make between last year after they lost Paige Beckers and this year after they lost AZ Fudd is last year they go down to Georgia Tech. And, I mean, it was obvious that they were shaken, they were rattled, they had really no chance at winning that game with the mentality that they went in. Then this year, Princeton probably is a better team than that Georgia Tech team last year. Both similarly defensive-minded. This one's obviously at home, whereas Georgia Tech was on the road. But even still, UConn was in control of that game. And I think they were playing not as well as you could have hoped, but... They had played a pretty good game up until Nika Mule goes down. And that's when everything starts to unravel. And then you lose Lulo Seneschal on top of that. I mean, no team is going to be able to overcome those injuries. It's not like you still have some stud Paige Becker or AZ Fudd type player. You are down to someone who was playing low major D1 last year. You were down to, granted, Aaliyah Edwards is an Olympian, not to write her <laughs> off, but especially in the backcourt, you just have so few options. You are playing a junior college point guard to start. That's the only option you have at that position. So yeah, you play a good game against Princeton. There's a very clear point where things start to come apart and you put up a good fight against Maryland. I mean, I'm just still amazed that Maryland was as happy with winning that game as they were considering that they should have won it by a much wider margin. We've seen plenty of times where UConn wins a game and it almost feels like they lost because they're so pissed at themselves with how they played and they didn't think it was up to their standard. There's a possibility. I'm not predicting it, but by the time the new year comes around, UConn could be back at full health. And last year, yeah, 
the injury stretch that they have right now and they had last year are similar, but it just kept going and going and going last year. This year, there's a hope maybe that by the new year, you have everyone. Or if it's not by the new year, maybe by the end of February, at the very latest, you have everyone. So it's not like people are still going down with torn ligaments. You look at the recent injuries and it is a concussion. No amount of strength and conditioning is going to do that. There's going to help with that. It is a sprained knee because someone, the biggest player on the floor, the strongest player on the floor, the player probably with the most muscle mass on the floor falls into AZ Fudd's knee. I don't know if strength and conditioning can really do anything about that. And then Dorka Juhas breaks her thumb. Now we're really getting into the area of where it's freak things. We don't know what happened with Paige and it's a little reckless to speculate on that and how that might've come about. But I guess the greater point is last year, it felt like it was, I don't know, more potentially preventable things, foot injuries with AZ and Nika. Obviously the knee was really weird with Paige, but then Dorka had a foot injury at some point. It's a lot more freak things at this point. And you would have to think that at a certain point, you're going to stop getting a freak injury every game. And obviously, as we've learned with this UConn team, you don't know that. But we could be talking a month from now. UConn has everyone. And all of a sudden, every single player on the roster has had to contribute at some point this season. And now you feel confident that, is it 1 through 10? I don't even know how many players they actually have available on the roster. I think it's 10. But Yeah, you, yeah 10. Every single one can contribute in a big spot if you need them to. And every single player has that experience. So I just have a really hard time finding anything to be all that upset about with the Maryland game, even though, yeah, they turned the ball over 200 million times, but give them a single ball handler where I'm not even asking for both Nika Mule and AZ Fudd. Just give them one of them. And both of them are one and two in the team in net rating. And both of them are one and two in the team in turnover percentage. So, Obviously, the turnovers go up when those two aren't on the floor. I don't think that should come as any surprise. I mean, they got to a point in that Princeton game where Aaliyah Edwards was bringing the ball up the floor. That goes right next to Enish is one of the crazier things that has happened. So (laughs) this team's already been through a million things. If they can get healthy, and again, it's a big if, but I think they showed some really good resiliency, some really good fight against Maryland. And the result that happened is the result that should have happened. And it would have been an unbelievable win if UConn pulled that one out. So Maryland shouldn't feel good about itself for that one. UConn should feel (laughs) really good for putting up that fight. And now you get the finals week at a perfect time where you have a full week off before you have to play Florida state at Mohegan sun. Florida state's having a good year, but I still think that's a clear step down from both Maryland and Princeton. And then you've got to, play another one against Seton Hall before going away for Christmas. But you've got a lot of time to try and rest up here. So if AZ, well, AZ is not going to be back for this week, but, and then concussion protocol with Nika, but you've got time to rest up, even though you have a few games here. So if, if they can just stay afloat and I mean, win these two games next week, cause they both should be wins. <laughs> then you can get, maybe everyone except AZ back to play Creighton, you're in pretty good shape at that point. Yeah, I agree. I think 
you've got some breaks here coming at a good time and if they can get healthy and these freak things can stop happening, they're going to be in a really good spot with the experience that everyone else has kind of gained through these last couple of games of craziness that there's been. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they get the freak things to stop happening though. Cause it seems like it just keeps happening. We need to, Gino needs to like take a page out of like Dan Hurley's book and start burning some sage and gamble or something. I don't know. <laughs> CD made a, I don't know if she made a joke or if she was serious, but she said that there was some, they like brought someone in to do something along those lines. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what it was. And I wasn't sure if she was serious, but yeah, I mean, I kind of hope she was <laughs> pull out all the stops at this point. Like what's stopping you from bringing in like anything? I don't know. I'm not an expert in the uh, spiritual world, but again, you got a lot of options here. I think you should use all of them. Either way, get the freak things over, and this team's in good shape, especially because I think the front court is largely stepped up without mm-hmm. the guards, with, with the back court being so thin. And against Princeton, it was Aubrey Griffin, career high 31 points, easily the best game of her career. And then Aliyah Edwards with a Big night against Maryland in a losing effort, but I mean, just a remarkable effort from her. She did all she could. Before this stretch coming up, we said that it was going to have to be the front court that really stepped up, and so far we're seeing that happen. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Aubrey's performance against Princeton was insane, and then Leah's as well, and I think with Leah, we're kind of continuing to see, even though she's had a couple you want to call from off games but it's still like you know eight and eight in an off game so she's not disappearing and I think we're seeing a lot from her she feels like right now to me at least the way she's playing she's probably on that all-american type track for this season she's been such a big part of this team pretty consistently yeah the way I look at Aaliyah's season is there's two comparisons that I think you make and one is to last year when if she had an off night she was invisible I mean, you did not see her at all. So that's one big difference. The other difference is, and look, this we were very strong supporters, but look at the way Olivia Nelson Adota's career went. Was there ever a point where Olivia Nelson Adota was truly dominating the way that Aaliyah Edwards is right now? And her off nights, she still got a really high floor where as we knew throughout her four years on an off night with Liv, that floor was really low. So again, Liv was still a good player, but just to use the comparison for Aaliyah and what she's done this season, it's not a double-double every night, but it's still really impressive. And expecting a double-double a night, I think, is a little unrealistic, especially without Dorka out there. And I'm curious to how Aaliyah plays once Dorka comes back, because... Does that just elevate her game even more, open up more opportunities? We've seen those two play together well before, but that should only, in theory, be a boost for Aaliyah. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it's going to open up some space and stuff in the post, and it should be a boost for her. But it'll be interesting to see. I think we've seen it a little bit more, I guess, the last two games, because we've seen kind of Amar DeBerry play alongside her a little bit, and I think that's been successful. So there's no reason to imagine that it wouldn't be with Dorka. Let's actually talk about Amari for a second because I thought it was interesting that 
after the Princeton game, Gino said he went in knowing that she was going to play a lot. And I think what we saw was a really mixed bag performance, but I think my big takeaway from that was she kind of has to go through those ups and downs to really just to develop. And I've never been someone that says that, Oh, Gino needs to play these players just for the sake of playing these players. I mean, we're not in practice every day. I feel pretty good that there's a reason that someone's not playing on a given day. If, if they aren't out there, especially at Princeton, Amari, or against Princeton, Amari showed enough to at least justify more minutes. And it doesn't need to be 25 minutes a game. But <laughs> if you give her 10, 15 minutes when the game still matters, not in garbage time, but next to Aaliyah and with Nika and AZ out there and Lou coming in, that I think, even if it doesn't help with her development, it gives you a better picture of where she might be because if she can fight through some of these struggles and these big ups and downs start more looking like the type of waves that you get on long Island sound, suddenly you don't need her to be a superstar. You just need her to come in and give you some good minutes and talent wise. I think Amari is more than capable of that. And, you know, CD pointed out that there were times last year that she couldn't even finish practice, which I assume was a conditioning thing. And, you know, she sometimes plays a little too slow and doesn't play at the right pace and isn't used to the physicality, but you could see that skill that she has, that skill that Gino's raved about. And I think the more time that she gets, the more we're going to see that skill and talent come through and the more she's going to get adjusted to that physicality and understanding the pace that she has to play in games. And if you put her in, in the second quarter, and she just takes three straight possessions off and doesn't look good. Then you just pull her and put her on the bench. And okay, well, we learned our lesson that way, even if it's not even if it's not what we wanted. But I think she's shown enough to at least justify more playing time. Yeah, I agree. I thought she gave them good minutes against Maryland in the second half there too. She didn't come in until the second half, but when they went big there, they found some success. I mean, she didn't score or anything, but was able to help out on the boards, had a few assists, kind of helped space the floor, and I thought that went well. So I do think we've seen some good minutes from her in those two games, and then also against um, Providence. Well, granted, it's against Providence, but I agree that she's earned some more minutes, and I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see her some more kind of in the, in the coming weeks. Yeah. Especially think, being the schedule gets easier. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Seton hall has anyone that's going to be able to compete with her size. So, you know, you don't necessarily want her to only perform against teams without size, but that's a pretty good spot for her to at least start and just get that confidence up and, get used to playing a little more physically because if you can bully someone who's smaller than you doesn't have the size that at least gets it in your head that you can do it against bigger players and oh i can just do this at all so she's going to be someone that's really interesting to watch as the season goes on because talking to her she didn't seem down she didn't seem checked out ready for the semester to end to just go transferred to Buffalo and go rack up 35 minutes a game playing on a team that's got no hope. She just said that whenever she gets her number called, she's going to be ready to go play. And 
I think we really saw that against Princeton. And again, it wasn't all pretty. She had some really bad plays in that game and she's made some really bad plays this season, but she's still young. And, you know, considering some of the things that CD said about her, the way that she wasn't finishing practice and just how much she struggled at times last year, it feels like she's taken a huge step forward this year, even if that's not showing in the minutes that she's getting. Yeah, agreed. And I wonder if we'll see as the season goes on, if she can get more minutes in those games that, you know, there aren't, there isn't size or are just a little bit easier games for UConn. If we'll start to see her more as we get into the later part of the season too, when you look at, I know it seems like wild that she'd be playing against South Carolina, but like a team like that, that has so much size and can like UConn use the fact that they can rotate a little bit more size if she gets some minutes to give themselves a little bit more of an advantage there. Yeah. Well, even if, She's not ready to play against a team like that. If you can't grab a rebound, maybe you just throw her in there and see if she can grab one. Right. I mean, we saw how bad it was in the national championship game. At least give yourself some options. And it seems like now, right now, she's at least forcing the coaching staff to give her a more extended look. And I don't know, maybe she puts together three games in a row where, okay, yeah, I think we learned what we learned needed to learn about Amari, but uh, it could go the other way too. I mean, just look at last year. She looked good against Georgia Tech and was never heard from again until the championship game. Maybe this year it's going to be, we don't hear from her at all. And then all of a sudden she gets in there and it, it all starts coming together. So I think it's just going to be a really interesting process for her throughout the season. And if they can start to really pull that talent and potential out of her, UConn's got an interesting piece on its hands in a front court that could really use another body with Ayanna Patterson still struggling with fouls. Yeah, definitely. So having said all that, with the way both games went and kind of how they unfolded, it's a little hard to dive too deep into the specifics of those games for those reasons. So we are going to wrap it up here. This upcoming week, we have Florida State at Mohegan Sun, 1 o'clock on Sunday, and then the Huskies close out, well, I guess they're already done with the first semester, but before Christmas, they end with Seton Hall at the XL Center at lovely 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. So we will be back to wrap up those two games and discuss our Christmas wish lists for this UConn team. Until then, thanks for listening.